welcome back to the Single Dads Podcast, man. Um, today, super, super excited. Um, we got our brother, Jay Skibbins. If you're on Instagram, you might've seen him. He, uh, he's doing incredible, just popping off, bro, um, on his content for like co-parenting and for helping out single parents, which is phenomenal. And so today's episode is going to be all about co-parenting. Which yeah, is be really honored dope. to have you on, Jay. No, I was excited. Like we talked about before and I knew this was going to happen. I, I've been watching you guys too. So it's, uh, I, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, let's get to it. Um, I'm curious about a few things. And uh, I guess first and foremost, um, I know you come from a, a background of, of teaching and, uh, and being a social worker. So what inspired you to get into coaching? Um, to be honest, a lot of things happened, obviously, for, for a lot of us over the summer of 2020, you know, the, the United States was very tumultuous. Um, I was, I had to get on Facebook to promote a dad's group that I was facilitating at that time. And, you know, I was finding that you couldn't say anything on Facebook without <laughs> right. to jump down your throat, right? Like you, I could be like, the grass is green. And some people come after me like, no, it's brown or yellow or something. And it was just like, yes, dude. <laughs> so, but, but what I, what I then became intentional about was like, I just started asking open-ended questions and it started simply like with, you know, like what was your favorite childhood memory or like what, what makes a good man, a good man, or what does trust mean to you? And it was very different than like the posts, I think that other people were seeing, right? Definitely. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and what happened was that it, it, it showed people, like, it, it created like a, a small community where people were just able to express their opinions and express how they felt instead of arguing. And then I would also see people yeah. like interacting with each other in the com- in the comments. So at that point. I was listening to a bunch of podcasts and some of the podcast hosts were coaches. So I was like, how do I, how do I make this into something? How do I do something with this? Because people clearly need this. Yeah. So I reached out to, I emailed like two or three uh, uh, podcast hosts. It took two months for the first one to get back to me. We set up a a zoom call for her and I to talk. Um, She was like, you know, I'll talk to you about what I do, but I don't really help people get started. So I've got a friend who helps people get started. She hooked me up with her friend. I got certified as a coach at the end of 2020. And then, I mean, to be fair, that's, you know, it, it kind of was born out of that. Just, it was, it was just so clear how much people like, I, we've talked about beforehand that people just need to be heard. People need to be heard. And I wanted to give that to people. That's awesome, bro. Very cool. Well, um, let's dive into some co-parenting, uh, topics, I'll call them, um, that people, uh, I know a lot of our our listeners uh, talk about co-parenting issues. Um, What is the most, or I guess, let me rephrase that. What, What is the most unique issue that you have come across dealing with, um, you know, clients, you don't have to bring any names in it, obviously, but what's the most unique um, scenario or like 
wow uh situation that you've had to uh to kind of coach someone on uh it you know it's surprising it's it when you say unique i'm i'm guessing you mean like something along the lines of like surprising or i don't hear about it like i've heard this yeah. one but not very many others like a good plot twist, bro. Yeah. Threw you back a bit. <laughs> um, I mean, to, to be fair, nobody has been able to top my story yet. So I feel like that's, <laughs> that's, that's where I, I, the, the, I think the crazy thing is just how once you get into this sector, into this like community of people, yeah. you, you find out how common everything is it's just not talked about i think i would i would honestly be hard pressed to to tell you a story of somebody who had something so so crazy because it's sometimes it's you know one of the parents just disappears or one of the parents moves across the country or uh that like i I can't even think of a, a crazy story because to be fair they're there's not that much variance between how people can get along or not get along. I haven't, I honestly haven't come across anything more crazy than mine. And mine is like the shortest version is that I'm raising kids that aren't biologically mine. So it's like, I don't don't know that that's something that happens. Okay. I want to ask you this, bro, because your profile literally says not a biological dad (laughs) or a non-biological single. And I was like, how does this work? Um, and I've been wanting to ask you that. So tell me, how does that yeah. work? Um, okay. So, I mean, the, <laughs> do you want the long version or the short version? Cause medium version. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, because here I, you know, I'm, I'm 33 now. Um, when I was like 24, 25, I, I met a woman. And at that point I wasn't, I wasn't dating. I wasn't trying to be anybody. I graduated college. I didn't really have a plan for life. Uh, working in a daycare and at a restaurant, we started basically just hooking up. Like it was a very, it was a very clear friends with benefits situation. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, it it carried on for about a year. And then she told me she was pregnant and that, you know, I I don't know how it is for other people, but that was not my plan. And I thought life was over. Like I thought I screwed everything up. I thought, like this was the worst thing I could have done. And, but like, you know, I grew up without my dad. So, and, and I had always wanted to be a dad. So I, I knew I was going to be there. Like I knew I was going to like, even though I didn't love it, even though I didn't, this was how I planned it. Like it took me about two weeks of like not telling anybody. I didn't talk to anybody about it. Finally talked to my mom about it. She was like, shot <laughs> but but like she's like hey it's gonna be you're gonna be okay and it was almost like i just needed somebody else to say that to me like yeah. hey you're gonna be okay um bro i had a um not to interrupt you but i will no, go ahead. um <laughs> i had a i had a similar situation obviously um now i know we're gonna go into some other details especially given that title um of non-biological father i feel like there's a twist or something here but um literally with with my girl i was um was 18 years old 18 years old and we had broken up and then she says like two three weeks later I think I'm pregnant and I was like 
huh, that's interesting. <laughs> what, are, what are we going to do about this? <laughs> and so I tried working things out, obviously, in my, my story. I'm going to make an episode one day on my YouTube channel, and I'll send it to you about my story so you can hear more about it. But essentially, um, yeah, bro, 18 years old, I was like, what the heck's going to happen now? And I'll never forget, I had an influential voice in my in my life, which was one of my cousins. First thing she told me, your life is over. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Dang. what? I was like, well, well, thank you, I guess. She was like, your life is over. You ruined everything. You screwed it up. And then her husband is like, whoa, hey, hey, hey. His life is not over. It might get a little bit harder. It might look different. Mm-hmm. But he can still do whatever he wants to do and create how what he wants to create out of his life. And so it's really cool because it's so true what you just said. You just need that one voice that's like that's that that listens. And then that yeah. tells you everything's going to be okay. Sorry, keep on going. I'm interested. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So so it, you know, as far as our relationship went, it was very sexually driven. It was that was that that you know, other people fight, other people like don't get along we ours was just very sexually toxic like we just couldn't we were trying to fill our voids that way um and so going from that to trying to parent together this it got it, it wasn't even rocky as far as like we, we somehow were able to put the kid first and like do things for that but like us we never we never we we went on a couple of days to try to see if there was something there but it just it wasn't there past the sex so stopping was hard it was hard and then she got pregnant again like very quickly afterwards my kids were only 15 months apart so like she got pregnant again and (laughs) as much as the first one was shock the the second pregnancy was just it was all anger and like for me, it was like, and I didn't know this at the time, but I was very angry at myself. Like, how can I make this mistake again? Yeah. But we were projected at each other. So, so. 27 years old at this point? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that would have been, well, no, I, let's see. He was born in, yeah. So he was born in 2015. So 27. Okay. Um, <laughs> and this is the part, this is like, this is, I think, why people, I think liked me because I get I'll tell the embarrassing stuff about myself. <laughs> it happened again. It honestly, she she got pregnant again. There was like she got pregnant again. And there's a lot more details, kind of like what you said, Frank. There's a lot more details behind the scenes. Um, I was already questioning things. I was already like my <laughs> probably a couple years too late, but some of my senses were starting to go off and very quickly after that child was born, I got a DNA test and found out that like the third child wasn't mine. And then that confirmed all the questions I had during that pregnancy. So to me, it was like, I now question everything. Yeah. So then very quickly after that, I got the boys tested and they were like, at that point, they were like, you know, two and uh, two and a half and like 15 months. And I found out that neither one of them were mine. Oh, so wow so wow. yeah i mean i at that point i was i was student teaching i was trying to get my teaching like having my first son like i went from daycares and restaurants to like all right i need a plan i need to i need to grow up uh mm-hmm. i went back to school for two years 
was in, in the last semester before I was I got a job that following fall as a teacher. So to me, I was like, I was trying to put all my, you know, put my put all my ducks in a row, get my life together. I found this out and it was just like, I, 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 I've never been divorced. So clearly we were never married. So I don't know what divorce feels like, but to me, like having somebody Braille, man. Oh, man. It was, yeah, it was like, a, it, whether it was a, a malicious lie or a lie by omission or however she thought it through, <laughs> it was just like a reality, like, like shattered, right? Everything just shattered on what I thought. And it, you know, it hit hard. I don't know how else to say it, it just hit hard. Yeah. Dang, dude. that is insane. So, so your initial reaction is obviously shock mm-hmm. um but after you've had time to absorb this information um what kind of in, in your mind w- w- were you thinking like um I, you, you you didn't have a lot of time to get to know the third child from right right but child one and child two um you obviously probably connected with some, or had some sort of bond with them right well yeah so the oldest one especially at that well, at that i'm sorry oh, go ahead. sorry go ahead i was just gonna ask so what like like after after you had time to process all this what what were your thoughts like um how how am i going to move forward with these two children that i thought were mine and I bonded with as though they were, what do I do now? That's- I, yeah, honestly, man, it, 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 took me, <laughs> it took me about a day and a half. Um, because with my older son, you know, he was a little over two and like two and a half, I think. And he was like, I can't describe it any other way that like he was exactly what I thought having a kid was going to be like. I wanted to be a dad having him. It was like everything that I thought was going to happen, happen. Like the way that we got along, the way that we bonded, the way that like he learned, the way that he like developed. It was just like (laughs) Nirvana is the word that comes to mind. It was just like I had it like from working with kids my whole life. Like I had a plan. I had a thought of what it was going to be like. And he fit everything it was it was amazing um so to find out that you know he wasn't mine biologically like i i talk, i have an older brother and i remember talking to him and like the at the end of the conversation it was just like i don't i didn't nothing changed like to me i was dad from day one like i don't i don't know what I don't know how it would have changed anything. I, and to me, it didn't change anything. So the process was I uh, I went and we legally got uh, me to be a legal father. Did you find out who biological fathers were? So at that time, no. Like <laughs> this is a this is a this is a lifetime. Uh, like literally the channel lifetime needs to come talk to me about making a, a, a TV series out of this. But um, at that time, no, she was very hush about details. She didn't really want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I, I found out more even just this uh, past year because 
be on Instagram talking about my story. I actually had somebody reach out to me who was an adoption coach. Um, and she was like, Hey, like everybody who I've ever talked to wanted to know that they were adopted. And like me personally, I've always wanted to tell the boys and be open about it so that like, it wasn't a shock. Like I want their identity right. to be that. I want them to like have a healthy identity formation yeah. with, with, with the knowledge of who I am to them. Yeah. That's really good. That's really, really good. I love that you said that because most people would like shine away from that because it would, it would potentially create conflict. Right. And we have this idea in our minds, right. And you probably deal with this a lot where we think that families are supposed to be about peace, quiet, happiness, all that stuff. And it's the opposite. Family is supposed to be about conflict because conflict provokes growth and growth creates fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I love that you said, you know what, this is exactly what I want. It's kind of like um, with, with my situation, like I had cheated in the marriage, right? And I have always been 100% saying my daughter will know that I cheated in the marriage because that's me being vulnerable. And if I want them to talk about things that are, that's going to, take them being vulnerable with, then I got to step up first. I got to show them what that looks like. I got to show them there's something that I, that, that can carry shame and that we're not proud of, but I'm bringing it up because this is a safe place and create that safe space. Right. And so I love that you looked at it straight in the face and you said, I'm going to address this because it needs to be addressed. And, and knowing that it can be done in a healthy way because so many people hide it out of fear and as we were talking earlier on the phone, anything, any move that we make that's based out of scarcity yields a negative result. That's why you see so many kids that later grow up into adults and they have resentment against the parent because why don't you just tell me? So I love that, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was like, for me, there was like the work. My older son is a bit more like uh, he, he he embraces conflict and he'll be the one that like he'll, he'll, he tries to get mean sometimes. So he's already used the well, you're not even my real dad in in a fight, in an argument. But even, even last night we were at uh, his Taekwondo. He got his new belt and then his mom was there. And like uh, it's cool because we don't do child support, but like it just has so happened that we just cover each other. We just, we, we have a very like healthy understanding of how the relationship works now. Um, so I've been paying for classes. She came last night, bought all of his like sparring gear that he's going to need for his new belt. Yeah. Um, and like, as the woman is helping him put all this stuff in his bag that he got, he is like, Oh yeah, this is even my real dad. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just, but <laughs> you're like damn it son keep it down <laughs> but it's like but that's exactly what i wanted by telling them right i yeah. want it to be a normal thing i want it to be like i want it to be a healthy connection that like this may, maybe i'm not the real dad but i think and like bless her heart she played it perfectly she was like yeah but he's the one who like takes care of you and like is there every day right and he's like yeah and i was like cool and that's, that's what I wanted it to be. Just like this. It's just like talking about the weather. It's just like talking about what we're going to eat. It's not this like taboo topic that like, cause with me and my mom, with my dad not being around, I never felt like I could talk about that. I never, like, I never asked her about him growing up and it just, cause it fell off limits. Yes. Because more than likely 
out of things that she said, did, or how she, her energy towards the the situation. It's like, ah, this can't be brought up. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, what? it's it's a crazy thing because even last summer was like I found out that the first time I thought I only met him twice. And it turns out I met him three times. The first time was when I was a, a baby. She took him to visit him. And he was in prison. And she just, like, she casually dropped this at, like, a cookout that we were at. Like, why is it as if it was, like, <laughs> common knowledge? And I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> come again? Like, can you say that one more time? <laughs> like, I really do have one of those stories. I realized I do have... Like, it, I've never felt like one of those, like, like, like a person who has one of these, like, crazy stories until I start talking about it out loud. Bro, you don't have one of these stories. You have the story. Yes, you do. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so true. Like, you know, I'm a divorce recovery coach, so I deal with divorced clients. More than half of them have kids. And mm -hmm. I have never heard of a co-parenting issue that is, is like this, right? Or not issue, situation. But a co-parenting situation that that is like this and this is so unique and it speaks so much to your character um honestly because so many other men could have been like oh they're not my kids i'm free you see what i'm saying and, and, and to be honest that's just in general being a single dad mm -hmm. uh people you know some people i should say um like praise us for doing what we believe we're supposed to do being a dad just being a dad yeah but some people think oh wow i guess because so many dads do just bounce mm -hmm. but um it's kind of funny this unique situation we we were talking about this last episode i think as to the fact that there are so many situations now that like when we were growing up especially me like it was very taboo like having two dads or having two moms um you hear know, about it. like that that these things are not like things that people make fun of kids at school for whereas <clears throat> when i was growing up when your parents got divorced it was like you know somebody just died or uh yeah. you know and i know I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from uh, a divorce because it is you know a, a very traumatic situation for many but um, my point is, is just, yes, your situation is unique and um, uh, I'm going to lie. I'm not going to lie and say it's not entertaining as well, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it does say a hell of a lot about your character, man. And, um, but at the same time, it's like, it, it's, it's not as taboo as it might have once been, mm -hmm. but um I have a friend who um, adopted um, uh, a child that wasn't his and um, ended up getting a divorce and she makes, she remarried and some to a multi-billionaire and uh, still hounds him for child support for that child that he adopted, which I think is total BS, but um, they don't listen to this show. <laughs> um, but uh, not to get off topic, but um, another question I had, uh, Jay, was have you had any clients, um, and I ask this because I've had uh, a few of our listeners um, that I've corresponded with 
um, be in a, a, a situation where they live with their ex mm, yeah, and somehow attempt to co-parent while also dating other people. Um, just curious if that's come across your plate. So I've had a couple, I, you know, I would say that that's a much more common occurrence that I would have guessed getting into this, that the people, whether it's the, the, they haven't sold the house yet, or they're not, they haven't yeah. completed the divorce yet, or financials. Yeah, or financials is pre- preventing somebody, but even going back to something Frank has said, honestly, most of the time when like they're holding on to something out of fear. Like I haven't moved out yet because I'm scared of what it'll look like, or I, I'm not ready to give up this comfort of having somebody else there. Um, but as far as the dating part, um, I, I've had one client that was dating while living with somebody else. And it just, it seemed, and I, I don't want to overgeneralize, but unless it was an incredibly mutual, amicable divorce, I just, I have no idea how that could work. Like there's just, it was messy for that client. And it, I don't know how it wouldn't be messy. Oh, I feel like you're a lot nicer than I am when it comes to coaching, <laughs> bro, because I have some clients, bro. <laughs> I have some clients that I'm like, well, where the hell do you think that's going to get you? Just, yeah. let's just, let's, and then I'm like, let's just role play this. Let's just <laughs> live a little right in our minds. And we walk through it. It's like, it's just not going to end up good. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. And I tell them, I'm like, right. Like I'm very upfront about it, but I also say it's not right. And it's not wrong. It's just different. And it's your choice. Right. So I still give them all we always give people the freedom to choose. I never tell them what they need to do. I just tell them, yeah, we need to look at it this way and then we can look at it this way. Right. Um, but yeah, bro, because that stuff gets messy real quick whenever there's no, especially when nobody knows how to establish boundaries. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is probably no, knowing your type of work and knowing my work, that's probably the number one thing. And also getting people to realize that boundaries doesn't mean you're going to do this. No, if, if you're not forcing the other person to do anything. You're just taking your emotional like thermostat, as I like to say, and you're putting it on the inside of you and not leaving it on the outside of you. And that's really all a boundary is. Um, but so many people get into that controlling mindset out of fear, right? Where, oh, I'm going to set a boundary where they have to do this. And then they don't do that. And then they blow their lid off. You know what I'm saying? Um, so how do you how do you navigate that situation when I've established a boundary? They're not, because I've seen you post about it quite a bit, when your other co-parent isn't doing what you think they should do, right? And I have my own insight on this, but I want to hear yours. How do you handle that situation? Good uh, and we're moving away from like the, of the people living together. Could this be anybody in co-parenting? Anybody. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And if you and, want to hit on the people in that are living together, you can, but I think right, we can but, all kind of agree. That's kind of a, like more a, of a general sense. Yeah. Because in my mind, what there's the fine line is I want you to operate as if they don't exist without like, for lack of better words, like shitting on them. You don't have to yes. like, you don't have to be mean. You don't have to like, act like you don't have to be rude about it but if your outcomes are dependent on their behavior 
then you're asking to be stressed out. You're asking for disappointment, which leads to resentment, which leads you back to you being the one wasting your own energy. So to me, it's like if they're if they're late, either ask for an earlier time or expect them to be late. Like there you yeah. there's certain you can't control. So you have to change your perception of what's gonna happen so that your happiness, your mood, your outcomes aren't based on what like they're doing. Yes, bro, okay. e- exactly. Scott brought up a situation that someone had messaged him about how some his ex posted a picture with uh, the new boyfriend and the kids and they were like all in like, you know, biker gear or whatever. Right. And like the dude was like losing his cool and he thought that wasn't cool and all this stuff. And like, what should he do? I was like, well, you can't really do anything besides communicate what you like. Hey, I don't agree with this. What do you and then try and establish some something if it's civil. But at the same time, that's not even your place. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, bro. That sucks. But it is it is all about identifying why does it suck? Why is it creating suffering in me? Right. And I, I love walking clients through like I always ask them, I'm like, and, and why does that hurt? And then I start writing it out and I share the screen and they're like, well, it just made me feel like I da 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 da. And then it made me feel like I da da da. And then when they're done, I write all of them down. I'm like, this is why you're suffering. I circle I <laughs> every single I they said and my. I'm like, mm-hmm. you're making that whole situation mean something about you. And it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't so as soon as you stop making it means it's like you said your perception like if you would expect them to be late like now you're setting yourself up to win because you're like oh i already know they're gonna be late so i'm just gonna handle it this way because i expect it it's like in fighting right if your kid gets punched in the face with a right hand by the same fighter over and over and over again and he never learns to His, yeah. his opponent isn't a good fighter. Your kid just didn't have the right defense and you should expect it coming. So all you have to do is slip and now I'm unmoved. That that, that particular situation was was uh, the, the, the the female playing offense, like uh, kicking, kicking him in the beanbag. <laughs> um, like, hey, I'm going to do this just to yeah. F you. Yeah, um, and that's that's what it was about. But um, he did handle it well, and uh, yeah, it worked out. So, yeah, brother, that's I, I I love that man because with co-parenting, it can get so easy to like lose ourselves in it, um, and to like lose our cool and just make it all this stuff like to add so much stress to your life, and then it just ends up making you not the dad that you want to be or the mom that you want to show up as because you're so consumed with what they're doing or what they're not doing. And really all it is, is that the blueprint that we've created in our own mind of how life is supposed to go has now been interrupted by that person. And it's like, what did you do? This is a question I have for you. What did you do when your blueprint got torn to shreds and you had to recreate a new blueprint of what life is supposed to look like? I, I, I mean, which, which time? <laughs> I mean, Valid rebuttal. 
even going back to school to become a teacher, I thought that was going to be my forever career. I thought I was going to be able to move up, become an assistant principal, do the principal thing, maybe. Because like, the crazy thing was I even got a job at the junior high that I went to. So it felt like life was coming full circle. Like my, oh, wow. my, my school is like 50% minority. So like even being a minority myself, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is perfect. I, I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to be somebody in the community. I'm going to, like, I had those dreams, like exactly what you're talking about, that blueprint. I, I, I had already planned out like five, 15 years in the future. And then through again, like, I don't do anything the traditional way. So even the way I got let go was like a culmination of like some old MySpace pictures that the kids got their hands on. (laughs) They started circulating around the school. (laughs) <laughs> so, no, just, yeah. just just be honest at this point were you like a male stripper or something like so, funny <laughs> enough like I, one of them was like my freshman year of college and i was dressed up as a hooters girl like i, I, had, a, I had a wig on i had like socks and I had, but i was like i was also like a cross-country runner so like i was as skinny as any woman at the same time so like <laughs> So they got down and I remember distinctly because one of my students came up and he, she was like, Mr. Skibbins, I need to show you something. And she had like a screenshot of the snap that like the kids were passing around. And it was that picture with the caption, like proof Mr. Skibbins is gay. And I was like, dang. <laughs> and, and again, like you said, Scott, it's, it's entertaining. Like I can laugh at this stuff now because it's like, who, how did I, how did I live this life? Like how, how am I, how am I that guy? But a book, you have a book in your future. (laughs) (laughs) But but even going back to your question of well, what you do is just you just you make the next step. Like yeah, I could get down, I could have got down about a lot of this stuff, but it's Mm -hmm. okay. I especially once I had kids, I was like, I can't get down for long. I I I can't I can't stay down here. You know, going from teaching to uh I mean like I was a teacher's aide, which was a huge step down. And that was not to my ego, but just my like my mental health, honestly, because when you're a teacher, you can kind of do things your way. But when you're the aide, you have to follow their lead. And there were like there's very few teachers that I look up to because I would do it differently than most of the teachers I've come across. So being in that situation was hard on me. And then going into social work, I thought that was going to be better. I was like, oh, I could help people this way. And then you get into that system and you realize it's just another system. Education's a system, social work is a system. And that was the beautiful thing about finding coaching. It was like, oh, wait, I can do build, this. Build your own system, bro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, it was how uh, the, the drive was always, how can I get to a point where I can do it my way? And that's what I found. And it just, it's, it, I officially walked away from my nine to five in December and I would, I would be checking my bank account every other day when I was there. Cause I thought, you know, I, I felt like I needed that job to feel safe. I thought that I needed that job to, to keep making it. And then I, I checked my account to like, to take care of it now yeah. instead of like, okay, do I have enough? Can yeah. I pay? Can I get groceries? Like before I was checking it like a hawk. And now it's like, now I trust that it's, that I'm doing the work that it takes to get what I need. Bro, what a great, what a great pivot in life, man. And and also because uh, this is something that this was an awakening moment that I had as well with coaching is I realized I stopped checking the account when I experienced fulfillment. 
because now it was more about like, man, I I'm so obsessed with what I'm doing that I don't, it doesn't matter if there is a lack of or a overflow. It just didn't matter anymore. It was just like, like you said, now I'm just checking it to take care of it, to move things around. What's it, where's this, where's it needs to be distributed, but it's not like a survival or a, I need that. You know what I'm saying? Because what you're doing is fulfilling. So let's, uh, let's, let's end off with one last question. You got one last question, brother, before we end, or you want me to ask it? Cause I have a good one. If you don't. Uh, I'll, I'll let you have it. Okay. <laughs> let's go. Um, so last question before we leave brother, um, if there is somebody listening right now who feels like um, their situation is impossible, right? Clearly now they know that more than likely <laughs> their situation is not as bad as yours. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's honestly my trump card in any coaching conversation I have. Like, oh, you feel bad about this, huh? Like, okay. <laughs> Boom, check my story. What would you say to that person that's, that's but to them, it's valid pain, right? Mm-hmm. And to them, it sincerely feels like the end of what they thought life would be. What would you say to that person, that single parent? Good question. Honestly, that they're right. Like it, it is the end of what you thought it was going to be. I love and that. To, yeah, to be to, to get to the next spot, you're going to have to move through this thing. Like you're going to have to allow yourself to create a new vision and find new strategies on how to get you there. Because what you were doing to get you to that spot clearly aren't. It's not working anymore. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you failed. That does not mean that you're doing things wrong you did what you knew how to do to get you where you needed to be and it got you there now you need new stuff and to be like you know that's why it's great that there's three men in this call none of us are doing this alone I've got like a crazy support team I've had like five coaches in the past 14 months I have people I can count on I've I've got a dad's group that I attend regularly like like there's no award for doing it alone because nobody does it alone like that like so if you feel like you're down and out, you feel like nobody's going to know or nobody's going to understand, tell that to somebody. And I promise it's you, I promise you to tell it those, to Jace Gibbons. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you get those words out that like, oh, this is so hard. I can't do this. I feel like nobody will understand. That's when you'll make that first step. That's when that, that is the first step. That's when you realize that there is a light, that there is a chance and that it's not impossible. You just, you told yourself it was, so it was. So as soon as you stop telling yourself that, you've got a shot. Jay, what would a uh, great answer? And what what would be the the mm-hmm. best way if somebody wanted to contact you, um, as as you for you to be that person they tell? How would they? Uh, what's the best way to to contact you? Go ahead and plug yourself. Right now, I am operating almost purely out of Instagram. So find me at Jay Skibbins and. I check that regularly multiple times a day. So I am, that is where I am at for now. And that is where I will be until, until I grow enough that I need something else. But right now, check me out on Instagram. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so that. much for, uh, for, for being a guest on the show, man. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Your story <laughs> was thoroughly entertaining and very helpful, I think, yeah. for, uh, for a lot of folks out there. So Massive blessing. Um, genuinely, man, thank you very much for your time. And uh, I hope we can do it again in the not-so-distant future. Yeah. Uh, and, and just let me know. I'll be here.
Yeah, brother. No, for real. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I, I just want to say that clearly you're a man of integrity. You're a man of character. Um, and it's incredible to see what you're doing and that you're vulnerable enough to take the risk to put yourself out there like this, right? Um, mm-hmm. To be able to actually help people. And one thing that one thing that I know that I'm sure you know, but I just want to like echo it into your life is that when your heart is set on actually helping, the blessings come. Whether mm-hmm. that is, I actually genuinely want to help my child. I don't want to control them to mold them to be what I want them to be, but I want to help them develop and grow. Blessings come in business. I want to genuinely help people. Blessings come, right? And so I just want to literally echo that over your life, bro, and say thank you so much for being another voice, another male figure that steps up and says, I want to help, even if it comes at the scrutiny of some people, because we get that, bro, especially being on social media. The, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've gotten messages. I've gotten plenty of messages and comments, but it doesn't stop you. And so for that, bro, I, I commend you. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, bro. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. I sincerely hope people reach out to you so that you can you can be a voice in their life for real. Yeah, thank uh, you, Jay. We will stay in touch, brother. A lot, a lot. Yes, sir. All righty, brother. Um, that, that's it for the show. We'll catch you guys on the next episode.